There's always something hot happening in South Florida. Talk now with Brian Mudd on News Radio 610 WIOD. Our number one threat to the United States today is China, but related to that threat is the idea that you can somehow just go into any country you want and take it over. I, I don't support, I don't, frankly, I don't know anyone who's calling for or supporting U.S. troops uh, being involved in a war in Ukraine, um, and uh, I certainly don't support that. The, not even the Ukrainians are asking for it. The problem is, you know, what will be, right? I mean, we don't want to be involved in a war over there. But then when we are sending thousands of troops over to the region, what is that exactly? I mean, do you just send them over there for show? It's weird. It's weird. But things get weird when you have a dearth of leadership, when you have perceived weakness, which is exactly what we've displayed, which is why you had China provocating over Taiwan prior to the Olympics, which is why you have Russia getting so aggressive the Ukrainian border, which is why you have little rocket man firing ballistics back into the ocean, which is why Iraq attacked or Iran attacked our embassy in Iraq about a month ago, even though news media didn't report this. And it's why we've got to be concerned about what role Cuba, Venezuela might play in all of this, all part of that unholy alliance. Talk about some of this with Senator Marco Rubio, uh, including uh, some of what's going on here at the home front. Senator, good to talk with you. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you've had some news here of late. First, about some of the uh, the politics and the campaign stuff. Obviously, we're starting to get into that midterm cycle here. And earlier this week, we received the first polling specific to our state in 2022. USA Today SoFoot polling showing you sporting an eight-point lead. Looked good for Republicans across the state generally. And, of course, that hypothetical matchup they were pulling against none other than Val Demings. Your thoughts about where you sit as we're heading into this cycle? Yeah, I don't care about these polls, whether I'm up or down, because the only poll that matters is when people go vote, and these things change, and they've been wrong. People forget, you know, Andrew Gillum was winning by seven points in the last poll in 2018, and thank God that didn't turn out that way. So, you know, we don't, uh, I don't pay attention to that stuff, but look, it's very straightforward, okay? Chuck Schumer wants a 51st vote, and so he says, he goes down, he says, who can I get to run? And he convinces, goes down and handpicks Val Demings to be the candidate he wants in the Democratic primary. And the reason is because she's been, uh, you know, she's voted with Pelosi 100% of the time. So she's been a puppet. And he says, I need a Pelosi puppet to become a Schumer puppet because that way, though, I don't need another mansion. I don't need another cinema. I don't need another senator that's going to kind of go and do their own thing. I need someone that's going to do what I tell them to do. And that's what she's done in her whole time. So she's voted with Pelosi 100% of the time. She's voted with the squad 94% of the time. She should at least get an honorary membership to the squad <laughs> voting 94%. So that's who he wanted, and that's who's running. And, well, you know, that doesn't reflect our state, but, you know, she's going to raise a lot of money. She's going to raise more than I am because she's got, you know, Act Blue and all this liberal money coming in from all over the country because they desperately want to win in Florida. I mean, they, they hate what Florida has done. It makes them look bad, and so they're desperate to win not just the Senate race, but if they could, the governor's race. Senator, there's such a good point to what you said, not just about Val, but actually every elected Democrat in Congress in the state of Florida, all of which have a 100% voting record, with the Joe Biden agenda. There's not a single moderate in the bunch, including Val. One of the interesting dynamics here of late, the endorsements. So you landed the endorsement of 55 sheriffs across our state, notable in part, of course, because Val Demings, once upon a time, chief of police in Orlando. Tell us about that endorsement. 
Yeah, look, I mean, number one, I've been with them and always consistently on the side of law enforcement. But what I think really pushed it over the edge here, and we have 66 elected sheriffs in Florida. 55 of them have endorsed me, 55. And the others haven't endorsed her. Some of them just don't endorse because of the political situation or whatever, although we might pick up a couple more of those down the road. But here's the situation. She was a police officer. She was a police chief. So if anyone should know how hard it is to be a police officer, it should be her. So for someone like that, to decide during 2020 because she wanted to be the vice president. Let's not forget she was campaigning to be picked as vice president and she knew what her party demanded. And so what did she say? Well, you know, when Minneapolis was talking about defunding the police, she said that was a very thoughtful idea. You know, when she was asked about the rioting and the looting and going on, she goes, well, you know, these protests are a beautiful sight. So she, she voted for to get rid of qualified immunity, which now means you, know, you can just sue police officers. These are not rich people to begin with, and I'm going to be able to just sue them and get away with qualified immunity. So she did all these things because she fell in line. That's where her party was. That's what they demanded she stand for. She fell in line, and it's even worse. I think it's bad as it is, but it's really bad when the person actually knows better and does it anyway. That, that to me, is exhibit A of how the reason why they want her in the Senate is just because she's going to be a reliable vote that's going to do whatever they tell her to do, and that's going to be left-wing, you know, far radical stuff. Talking to Senator Marco Rubio, less than an hour ago, you tweeted out, I wish nothing but the best for all Americans competing in Beijing, but I won't watch, follow, or celebrate an Olympics hosted by a totalitarian communist regime that lies about COVID and is committing genocide. I agree with your sentiment. Tell us about China, and I'm also interested in hearing, you know, I have concerns about the ties to Russia, the ties to Iran, the ties to NOCO, Cuba, Venezuela, as I mentioned at the onset. Yeah, first of all, I mean, China's the number one uh, challenge America faces. And we're going to beat these guys, okay? I mean, China's got its own problems. I believe the Chinese system will eventually collapse under its own weight. And ultimately, the only way that doesn't happen is, is if we save them by continuing to do stupid and dumb things in our own policies. But they have found themselves in the position they're in now because we've allowed them to cheat and to steal We've allowed them. We've allowed them to lure American companies and turn them into lobbyists for the communist regime here in the United States. So you got these companies that are making money, building things in China, or maybe having access to the Chinese market, we, and and come back to Washington and lobby against doing anything that's bad for China. We've got well-known athletes who have shoe deals and endorsement deals with big Chinese companies. So they're very fast to criticize Americans and American politicians, but they won't say anything about the fact that China has slaves. That China basically gets weaker Muslims and forces them to work in factories as slaves. And so um, we got a big challenge on our hands. This Olympic is an outrage. I mean, look, I don't want to punish athletes. It's not their fault, in this, you know, obviously. But we have a communist government that's committing genocide. That's what it is, genocide, against weaker Muslims and other horrific human rights abuses. And that continues to obscure the truth about COVID. I mean, from the very beginning, they haven't been transparent. The reason why we didn't know more about COVID early on uh, the, the reason why we weren't able to react to it quicker is because they, first of all, they didn't even warn. There's now evidence that this thing that had been present as early as September or October of 2019. If they had told the world about that, people could have gotten ready. The research could have happened. They didn't do any of that. I think it's very valid to say there are people who are dead today because the Chinese Communist Party likes to lie and cover up the truth. Uh, not to mention, we still don't know exactly how this happened or what the origins were, but I think there's at least as much evidence that it was a lab accident, a lab leak, as it is that it was naturally occurring. So, you know, for all these reasons, don't ask me to be all excited about games being hosted by these people because it's it's, there's nothing to celebrate here. This is, this is a genocidal communist party, totalitarian regime, 
And by the way, that hates our country and, and wants to, to sort of dominate the world at our expense. How concerned are you that the Biden administration projecting weakness generally is leading to more aggressive behavior potentially by Russia and China? Well, I think it's contributing to it. I mean, look, I don't think there's any reason to, you know, play around this or not be direct about it. They watch television. Okay, they see the same things we see. And I'm sure they have questions about, you know, the, the, the president's capabilities and so forth. But beyond it, it's sort of our policies as well. Right. And and in their view, they, there are things they think they can get away with under this administration that perhaps they didn't think they could do under previous administrations. Now, some of this they may have done anyway, you know, but but they're going to try. And what it does is it creates a world where you do have. I think the beginnings of this Eastern access, right, that involves China, Russia, and then, you know, potentially in some cases, North Korea, sometimes Iran, other countries like Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and our own hemisphere, and others who may seek to join it. And, and it, we begin to sort of realize we're living in a world now where the, the you know, the combined influence and power of these countries could pose a significant threat to the United States, to our economy, to our people, to our safety here at home and around the world. And, uh, and it's very concerning. And, and I do think the administration's uh, the best way to put it is I don't think that um, they're that concerned about what Joe Biden and this administration is going to do to them. Look, Iran is a great example. Okay? Iran is, has these groups in, in, in Iraq that are their groups. These are their agents. I mean, these groups exist. They do what they tell them to do, and they're their proxies. And they give these groups sophisticated weapons. And these groups are attacking and trying to kill Americans. And you don't hear anything about it. There's no reporting on it. They're like, well, it was another Shia attack. These are not Shia groups. These are Iranian proxies that are right. Shia groups. They, they and they're not attacking us with like, oh, you know, some cheap. They're attacking us with sophisticated weaponry. That they, don't, they don't know how to make that. They're getting it from somebody. We know who they're getting it from. Why can't we say it? Because if you say it, you've got to do something about it. Because if you say it, you may not be able to do an Iran deal. And that's the problem with these people. That's the, that, that, that projects where they think they can get away with it, and they are getting away with it. They're right when they think that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could find holes in anything you said. I can't, and I think you're on point with it. I always um, end by throwing something dolphins in front of you. The topic this week hasn't been happy. What are your thoughts on the Brian Flores lawsuit? Oh, oh, I don't know anything about the lawsuit or anything about the hiring practices of the NFL, as I said. Obviously, the, the most concerning piece is the one about the $100,000 to lose. And concerning because if, if proven to be true, you know, the NFL, I mean, what I worry about is the NFL could dock the dolphins, you know, draft picks and things that really hurt the franchise. And I generally don't like instability. Obviously, this will all play out. And, and I think, you know, uh, uh, Stephen Ross has denied it, says it's a lie. And so, obviously, the burden of proving that it's true is going to be on, on Brian Flores. I don't think it's a, uh, a, law, a lawsuit issue for him. I think that one has to do uh, potentially with what the league does about it. So that's what I worry about. But you, you never want your team in the middle of this, although every team, I guess, is because he sued the whole NFL. But you know, it's hard for me to give a hardcore opinion because I'm not in the NFL. I'm not an NFL owner. I'm not in the front office. So I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes and all these things. And, and, uh, but I do worry about the impact on the franchise that those allegations are having and the coaching search as well. The instability is just not, you know, not good for any franchise to have this sort of stuff going on off the field. But it is what it is, and they'll have to work through it. And hopefully, you know, it's not true. Senator and lifelong Dolphins fan, Marco Rubio, always good talking with you. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Today's Q&A of the day. It's up next here on the Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD.